Our scripture reading this morning is Jude 20 through 25. This is the word of the Lord. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Thanks, John. Unlike Pastor Aaron, I am completely confident in the depth of my voice to follow John Rep. It's not true. It's not true. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning everybody. Good, you guys, it's 11 already. You slept in. You didn't come to the first service, man. You got to have some more pep in your step, right? I love the 11 o'clock. I used to call this the rowdy crowd. I think that you guys are got to work on that a little bit. Just kidding. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, And it's my um, honor to uh, close up uh, our series in the book of Jude uh, today with the last five verses. And so we're going to be talking about that. Um, As is our practice uh, when I preach, I want us to uh, put both of our feet on the floor right now, kind of sit up straight. Uh, We're going to take a few deep breaths and we're going to uh, bring ourselves mind, body and spirit into this room uh, as we open his word and begin to, to um, learn from it. Just take a few moments here in silence. Father, we thank you for the promise that you give us that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are in our presence. And so, Lord, as we open your word, Father, we wait expectantly uh, for you to fulfill that promise and to meet with us. And so, Lord, now as we move through this time, Father, we pray that you would quiet our hearts and our minds, help us to focus our attention on you, Teach your truth to us today. Touch our hearts. Draw us closer to you and make us more like you. And Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to finish up the book of Jude today. We're going to talk about growing and loving and being secure in Christ. Uh, So this year, uh, I've traveled quite a bit, taken many, many flights Uh, We've gone all over the place. Uh, If you go back to about this time last year, uh, MJ and I went on a trip to Spain, uh, and we've been to the great state of Missouri and Florida. Uh, We've been to um, uh, 
Mexico this year, uh, and also we just returned from Sin City, Las Vegas. Don't judge me. You know you've been there too. Never. Good for you. Good for you. I had never been there either until this time, and that's a whole other sermon altogether, but one of the things that I'm reminded of as we talk these things through is uh, in all of those flights, at the beginning of every flight, there's a safety briefing. Are you aware that in flights there's a safety briefing? They're there every time, but we mostly don't pay attention to them. Those poor um, stewards who stand there and point, however they do the thing, put on it, whatever. We don't really pay attention to them. Obviously, I pay pretty close attention to them. I've got the hand movements down. In the middle of that safety briefing, though, they tell us that uh, in, the, in the event that there's a change in cabin pressure, that a mask will drop down and will provide oxygen for you. You guys remember that part of it? What do they tell you to do with that mask? Do you remember? Put it on yourself first and then start helping those that are around you. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about self-care for a portion of our sermon today. And I'm a big, big fan of self-care. I think that in Christendom, in the, in the capital C church, I think that we don't talk about self-care at all. As a matter of fact, we talk a lot about pouring ourselves out for others, and that's exactly what Scripture tells us to do. But in order to pour ourselves out, we have to have something in us to pour out, right? And so I think that for a lot of Christians, I mean, I've been in, uh, I, boy, I've been going to church for 51 years, but um, that's how old I am. But when we do all of that and we get into that process of where we're pouring ourselves out and pouring ourselves out and we never take time to do that self-care, we're just continuing to pour out. All we're pouring out is nothing or poison because that's all that's left inside of us because there is no self-care that's taking place. Jude here is going to encourage us to take care of ourselves. He's going to encourage us to grow. We're going to talk about that. He's going to encourage us to love others and we're going to talk about that. But he's also going to show us where all of that authority, power, and uh, magnificence comes from, which is in Jesus. That's the only reason we're able to do what we can do. The problem with talking about self-care is that we can have a tendency as human beings to focus too much attention on that self-care, because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but as humans, we have a tendency to take things that are good and turn them into evil. And self-care very quickly can go from being self-care for the purpose of helping and encouraging others to becoming selfishness and self-centeredness, where all we're doing is focusing on our own attention. The other thing that can happen is I will help others, but not until I get myself right and fixed. I hate to tell you this, but if you're waiting to get right and fixed, you will never help anyone. Because the only thing that's going to get you right and fixed is when Jesus returns or you die, whichever comes first. That's a downer, isn't it? You thought, oh, man, I thought I was going to get this together. You're not. You're just going to keep working on it like everybody else does. You see, so we have to be careful. That's my warning for you this morning. As we go through the passage, warning that self-care can become uh, too focused on ourselves. So when we think about this self-care and we're bringing it into and we're working on it, we got to think about the purpose of that self-care is so that we can care and help for others. It should remind us of the second 
uh, greatest commandment. Everybody remember what that one is? The second great commandment according to Jesus? You can say it. Go ahead. Love your neighbors as yourself. That's the part we get hung up on, right? Love your neighbors as you love yourself, right? And so he's telling us, he's saying, you got to take care of yourself as you love yourself so that you can take care of your neighbors, right? So here's our big idea today. This is what we're going to focus our attention on, is Jesus is our only hope in this life and for eternity, One of the things that we're going to see as we talk about these things is that Jesus is the core and essence of everything that we do and everything that we are. And without Christ, uh, we are just like everyone else, uh, lost in our own uh, demise. And so our focus needs to be on Christ. So let's take a look here at what the scripture says uh, and what Jude has for us this morning. And in verse number 20, he writes this. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith. So he's telling us that what we need to do as part of this self-care is that we need to grow in faith. It's a part of what we do. It is the practices, right? So when we think about growing in faith, and if you've talked to me for any amount of time whatsoever, you know that I love to talk about spiritual disciplines. I love to talk about that. We just practiced one in a very short manner, which is called silence. And some of you were very, very uncomfortable in the silence because you don't spend enough just stopping and listening, not listening to the birds outside or the noises of your house but listening to the voice of God and listening. And most of you don't stop that way. Most of us don't stop that way. And so when we grow in faith, we can think about those things, the spiritual disciplines, fasting, silence, solitude, celebration, prayer, scripture reading, and one of my favorites, Sabbath. But in our passage today, all of those things are good for us. And we should be practicing all of those things. In our passage today, Jude is going to talk about three specific uh, instructions Uh, When it comes to self-care and our continued growth in Christ, he's going to talk about three things. And so I'm going to share those with you this morning. The first of which, after he says that we should continue growing and building up in our faith, he says that we should be praying in the Holy Spirit. So in order to grow in our faith, the first thing that we need to do, according to this passage, is we need to pray in the Spirit. Now, what does that mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, first, we have to start with the word prayer. So when I was growing up in church, and many of you may think uh, hear this as well, some of you, this is going to be revelatory and a light bulb is about to come on. Someone taught you how to pray. Did you realize that? It didn't just come naturally to you. Somebody taught you how to pray. Now, I don't know about you, the tradition I grew up in, the way that they taught us how to pray, and I don't even know that they thought about it this way, but it's very much this way, was a lot like a letter. You ever written a letter? All the boomers in the room went, yes, I have. (laughs) Yes. Gen Xers were like, hmm, paper. I remember that. All the millennials went, "Uh, what's a letter? It's my generational joke for today. All right. It's a lot like a letter. Let me show you. Dear God. I've got a lot of stuff on my mind and you're awesome. And here's all the things that I need from you. Sincerely, oh, 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 in Jesus' name, comma, Steve. That's a letter. We just wrote a letter, put it in an envelope, mailed it off to God. You ever heard anybody say prayers in the air? 
If you say prayers in the air, I'm so sorry. It just irritates me every time I hear it. Don't say it. Because God's not up out there. He's right here. When we pray, so we have to know what prayer is. So what's prayer? Is prayer a letter that we write to God, put a stamp on it and mail it off, and someday he'll get it and answer it, hopefully, maybe, fingers crossed? No. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is communion. Prayer is walking, working, living in the Spirit. You see, when we talk about prayer, Paul writes to the, Thessalonica, to the church of Thessalonica, he wrote to the Thessalonians, and he says, pray without ceasing. Did that ever distress you when you were a kid? Does that distress you now? Pray without ceasing, what does that mean? Do I gotta just keep saying repetitive words over and over and over and over and over and over and over again? No, actually, Paul says, don't pray like the heathen do with the repetitive prayers because it's just much babbling, right? The idea behind prayer, pray without ceasing is the fact that you're walking with him constantly in communion with God, in the spirit, right? And so when we pray in the spirit, What we're actually thinking about it is how things change in us. You see, there's an old phrase, or I once heard someone say, that prayer is more about changing your heart than it is about changing God's mind. You see, his will is perfect. Thy will be done. We all sang it. Thy will be done. And that's what we're praying for. Now, Prayerfully, our will and God's will lines up and the things that we want and the things that he wants for us work out together. And sometimes that happens, does it not? And sometimes the thing that you want to happen, God says, no. Or he says, not yet. Right? But we're going to walk in the spirit by praying in the spirit. It's about changing our hearts to match with what God's will is. And that's what praying in the spirit is. And if you're going to grow in faith, you're going to have to take some steps that are in spirit, that are spirit led. Have you ever made a decision and you thought to yourself, that's the craziest thing I've ever done. That's the way I work with God. He says, hey, have you thought about this? And I'm like, hey, let's do it. Let's go. I'm really impulsive that way. Yeah, let's go. We'll figure all the details out later. Let's make it happen. I remember uh, just as an example of this, not this previous trip to Mexico, but the one before that, uh, we were still in the merging pattern back then. This was pre-COVID. And I walked over to the, uh, um, what was that place called? Wherever y'all met before? Linwood High School. Had to think about it for a minute. Most of everybody in this room is like, wow, we met in Linwood High School? That's interesting. I walked up to Linwood High School, and there's Doug and Pastor Kyle, and he says to me, they say to me, hey, you want to go to Mexico? I said, yes. <laughs> they said, we leave in two weeks. I said, awesome. What do I need to do? What do I, what's happening? What are we doing? What are we going to do? What are we going to have? You know, all that. That's the way I live my life a lot of times. Sometimes I'm very calculated. Very rarely. I say that to say this. When we live in the spirit, it's about walking where he wants us to go, doing what he wants us to do, saying what he wants us to say, living in communication with him, in communion with him. We have a phrase in our household, uh, speaking of, and then we carry on with that. 
what that phrase means, speaking of, means this is something that we talked about today. It might be something that we talked about yesterday. It could go back 15 years. But you know what? As soon as they start talking about it, as a family, we go, oh, I totally remember that. And we catch right in with it. That's how our communication with God is. You see, he remembers every little story. He remembers every little detail. He remembers every little moment. He remembers every little emotion. He remembers every little feeling. And so when you say, God, speaking of this, he says, I know, I remember. And we're right into that conversation again. That's praying in the spirit. That's praying in the spirit. Being there with him. Secondly, Jude tells us, Keep yourselves, this is verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. There's a phrase that we uh, use in Christianity called backslidden. You guys ever heard that phrase? Yeah? One of you has? Good. The phrase is a connotation about living in sin or away from God. If you're backslidden, you have somehow walked away from God or you have um, no longer or you're living in some type of sin. Uh, thinking about travel, uh, we were in the airport just the other day and we were uh, walking through the, uh, the concourse there to try to get where we were going. Uh, and uh, I walk uh, pretty fast when I'm moving and just kind of going through. And a lot of times I get carried away with, oh, we got to be at the gate and we got to do the thing. And, and I, so I've got my little case and I'm just booking along. And sometimes poor MJ, uh, who doesn't uh, walk really fast like I do, she's like, hold on, wait up. So we're walking along and, and um, I'm in one of those modes and I'm just cruising and going. And then she says, oh, watch this. And I see her just go whoosh and she just takes off. And I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. And what she had done is she had stepped on one of those escalator floor things. You know what I'm talking about? And man, she was booking. I couldn't keep up with her. I was starting to have to jog to try to keep up. Now, the reason I mention that is because that's the way Christian, that's the way the Christian life is, but not, it's not walking in the direction that you're going. It's on the other one, walking against the treadmill. You see, walking in the Christian life and and staying in God's love for us is always going upstream. It's always going uphill. We are always fighting against ourselves, our own flesh, our own sin nature. We are fighting against the culture of the day. We are struggling against the world system. We are struggling against gravity. We're struggling against everything that there is to struggle against. And if you think about walking on one of those uh, escalator sidewalks in the wrong direction, if you keep walking, you can overcome the speed at which the the escalator is moving underneath you. But if you ever stop walking, do you know what happens to you? You go flying the other direction. And a lot of times, that's the way our Christian life is. And walking in the way of Jesus is a lot of times for us, it is a struggle. It is going against the grain of everything that there is. But if we stop the motion forward, if we stop staying with him, in him, in his love, then we're going to fly backwards. That's the idea behind the being back slidden. Jude is encouraging us to not allow ourselves to be moved outside of his presence, but to be in the presence of God always. And when we talk about being in the presence of God always, 
uh, you think, well, man, I've got to go to work and I've got to do the thing and I've got to whatever and all of this stuff and the kids and the baseball and the school and the, uh, uh, all the things that happen, right? And yeah, you know, God's in every one of those moments. And we're in every one of those moments. There's a great, um, uh, an old monk named uh, Brother Lawrence. If you haven't read his uh, small little book, you should check it out, Practicing the Presence of God. Uh, and he was a dishwasher, in a monastery, and he would verbally, out loud, speak to God as he was washing dishes. Uh, and all of that is kind of it builds on the traditions that you've been taught all your life, and you don't even realize it. But about the uh, what's commonly referred to as the Protestant work ethic is is the concept of the things that I do are noble and honorable in the face of God. Every good endeavor, our friend Tim Keller writes a book called Every Good Endeavor, where he talks about in our small labors and in our tiny things, that's when we can be in his presence. We're going to meet him where we are, right? Staying in God's love. And then uh, the third thing he tells us about this growing in faith, he says, uh, after he tells us to stay in the love of God, he says, waiting expectantly, For the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. And so that's looking to eternity. So no, we need to pray in the spirit. We need to stay in God's love. And we need to look to eternity. There's another old Christian saying that goes something like this. Don't be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. But don't be so earthly minded that you are no heavenly good. You see... The idea there is to remember that our hope lies in eternity, but our work is in this life. You see, if you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, all you can do is focus on that which is to come, right? Everybody in this room has an idea of what heaven's going to look like. Have you ever given it any thought? If you think, nope, I've never given it any thought, uh, you should give it some thought, right? Some of you have bought into some of the tropes uh, that have been in our culture, right? Like you're going to be a little fat baby with a, a little tiny wings and a harp and someone's going to be feeding you grapes sitting on a cloud. Anybody think heaven's going to be like that? You can, nobody? Come on. Somebody thinks there's grapes and babies. Maybe you think that you're going to be a giant head with wings, just one big eye in the center of it and all of the stuff. And you're like, why would I think that? Read your Bible, man. Angels are creepy looking. Maybe you think it's just, you know, sitting on a front porch, you know, watching a river go by and enjoying life. I don't know what, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, and neither do you. But I know this, is that when we look to eternity, there's some times in our lives where our souls become weary The Bible tells us, don't be weary in well-doing. And sometimes it's hard not to be weary. It's hard not to be beat down by everything that the world puts on us. It's hard to be beat down by the things that are just in our lives. Just getting up sometimes is more than we can bear. It's in those times when we look and we pray with and cry out, like John the Revelator said, even so, Lord, come soon. Come soon. The flip side of that phrase is don't be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. So on that side, we can think so much about heaven that we forget that the scripture also calls us to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, 
to comfort the comfortless and the fatherless. And so there's this balance here that the scriptures is calling us to. That we need to do the things that we have to do. We need to live in this world. We need to help those that we can help. Physical needs of people. But at the same time, always looking forward to that eternal hope, which is in glory through Christ Jesus. You see, the gospel is both a glass of water and the good news that Christ died for them. You see it all the way through Jesus' life. He heals somebody physically and he saves their soul eternally. So somehow we've got to be heavenly minded in order to be of good in the world. So we need to look to eternity. The second thing that we see, that's how we grow in our faith. That's us taking care of ourselves. That's us taking the mask down and putting it on our face. We need to pray in the spirit, stay in God's love, look towards eternity. The second thing that we need to do is we need to love others. Look at verse number 22. Have mercy on those who waver, who waver. This is where we really realize and come to the, to the understanding of the phrase that Jesus gave us, or the, the second great commandment which Jesus uh, points out to us is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this is what Jude is alluding to. He's also giving us some specifics now on how to carry that out. If we're going to love others as we love ourselves, because we are growing in faith, the next step, we've put the mask on, and now we're going to help others get their mask on as well. And in doing so, he tells us, here's three things that we need to do. The first one is very simply, just to restate it, have mercy with those who waver. Now, let me ask you a question. Who are those who waver? It's you. It's me. These are those folks that struggle, common struggles that we all struggle with, right? Do you know that you sin? Do you know that I sin? Whoa, slow your heads down, easy. Everybody went, and when I said, do you know that you sin, everybody went, hmm. When I said, do you know that I sin, everybody went, yes, yeah, we do. Have mercy with those who waver. Right? So we're instructed in Scripture that we want to pour out that mercy in the same way that we, we want to receive that mercy. Now, I don't know about you, but I want lots of mercy. I want lots of grace. And so if I want lots of mercy and I want lots of grace, then I have to pour out lots of mercy and lots of grace towards others. So we need to do that. Don't put more on other people than you are willing to bear yourself. You see, this is the common uh, struggles that we have. So as we're helping one another, what does this look like in a very practical matter? As you're struggling and you see someone that's struggling, whether that's emotionally, spiritually, uh, however that is physically, uh, we step in beside them as brothers and sisters in Christ. We step in beside them and we say, hey, let me help. Let me teach. Let me guide. Let me show. Let me comfort. Let me love. That's how we have mercy on those who waver. And then they'll do that for us and we do that for one another. And it's very simple to take care of one another in that way. The second thing that he tells us when he talks about loving others, and I say it this way, that we need to be strong with those that are in the grip of temptation. Notice what he says after that. He says, save others 
by snatching them from the fire. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Now, I grew up in a tradition uh, where the preachers banged on pulpits and wagged bony fingers and did lots of hollering and yelling. And when we got to this passage and they would preach it, they would specifically talk about the fact that we are dragging people, literally sometimes kicking and screaming uh, out of the grips of hell itself. And I would say that that's uh, the imagery there is ideal for them to grab that and run with that. But I really think that what Jude is talking about here is that sometimes we are thick headed and what we need is for somebody, a really good friend to come to us and to call us on our junk. Do you have a friend like that? Somebody that just comes up and says, you are being dumb. You're a dummy now. I hope you do. Because sometimes that's what we need. And that's what he's talking about here, dragging from the fire. So this is beyond just the wavering, like, oh, I'm doubting about this, or I have questions about this, or let's work through this together, or let's struggle this together, or come alongside and help me, come alongside and encourage me, come alongside and love me. It's beyond all of that. This is where that wavering has led into temptation, which could drag us completely away and could send us off in a completely different path. And that's when our good friends, our good brothers, our good sisters come to us and say, stop doing what you're doing and start doing what's right. And every once in a while, we need somebody to come along that way. Now, this just came to my mind right now, but I'm going to go with it anyway. You ever seen the movie Airplane? It's from 1970, whatever. There's a scene in there where there's a person that's hysterical And the whole plane lines up and just slaps her. Have you ever seen it? It's super funny. Everybody's like, hmm. Sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need somebody to come up and just slap us, just to grab our attention and say, what are you thinking? Where are you going? What are you doing? And you say, I never need that. You need it now more than ever, if that's what you just said. Sometimes we got to be strong with those that are in the grip of temptation. Then finally in this section he says, Have mercy on others but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So I said it this way. We need to stay vigilant with those who have strayed. Stay vigilant with those who have strayed. And I want to be careful here. I'm going to tread lightly because I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Jude is talking about a group of people here that are not having the same common uh, doubts and fears and concerns that we are. He's talking about people here uh, who have heard the truth, who have known the truth, and who have rejected the truth as a lie. And they have walked away from the faith. These are the folks, and you might know people like this in your life, where no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you talk to them, no matter how much you do, nothing seems to work and nothing seems to get through. And you have finally thrown your hands up and you said, the only thing that can help them now is God, and so all I can do is pray. Do you know anybody like that? In that context, 
of throwing your hands up and saying the best and only thing for them is prayer. Know that that's the best and only thing for all of us. But sometimes when they have walked away, we need to make sure that we understand that we assist when we're able to assist. But we are leaving them in the hands of God and entrusting him. In other words, we're not bringing them in close and tight, right? Because one of the things that uh, one of your teachers or your parents told you when you were very young is kind of true. The people that hang out, that you hang out with, have an impact on what you do. And when people have rejected the truth as a lie, that can impact your life as well. So stay vigilant. I'm not saying disregard them. I'm not saying kick them to the curb. I'm not saying don't have conversations with them. I'm not saying don't pray for them. I'm not saying don't love them. I'm not saying don't care for them. I'm saying be aware, be vigilant that their rejection of the truth does not impact your living in the truth. You follow me? And then finally, and here's the best part. We can grow in our faith and we can love on others. But this is the best part. Going back to our illustration about the masks, you remember in the very beginning, put your mask on, put your mask on other people. You know what? You know, you can put your mask on all day long. You can help everybody in that plane put their masks on. But you know what? If that pilot has passed out or does not know how to land that plane or does not know how to solve the problem, you are still in trouble. But thank God, using that metaphor that uh, we're going to do our part, we're going to put our mask on, we're going to help others get their masks on, but our trust lies in Jesus, who is going to make sure that we get where we're going and that we are going to get taken care of. So I said it this way, we are secure in Jesus. And there's three things that Jesus does for us, and it's, and it's right out here in black and white for us, and I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to take a look at it. So beginning in verse number 24, the Bible says this, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. The first thing that Jesus does is Jesus makes us stand. I want you to understand that if we attempt self-care or others' care in our own power, that we are doomed to fail. You ever heard the phrase, I'm going to turn over a new leaf? The thing about leaves is, is that when they blow over, they can blow over again, and they can blow over again, and they can blow over again, and they can blow over again. You see, when I start doing things in my own power, I am doomed to fail because it is in my own power that nothing can take place, not really of any significance. I mean, when you ever had those mornings where you're just laying in bed and you think to yourself, I just can't do this. I just can't do it anymore. I just don't want to get up. I just don't want to go. I just don't want to plow through. I just don't want to keep trudging through this. I think we all have those mornings. And I don't know about you, but when I find myself in those mornings, I just say, Jesus, you're going to have to do this because I can't. 
He says, that's the way every day is, Steve. Let me help you stand up. Let me pick you up. Let me keep you going. Let me push you forward. Let me help you. Jesus is the one that makes us stand. In the middle of all of our struggles, in the middle of all of our problems, in the middle of everything that happens, it's Jesus that's there that picks us up, puts us up on our feet and says, let's go. Just like he did to all of those people that he healed in the Bible. Remember the guy said, oh, he was lame and from birth. You know, Jesus, will you heal me? And he says, I will. Stand up and walk. That's what he tells us every morning. Get up and get going. I've got you. I've got you. Jesus makes us to stand. Secondly, the scripture says that we're going to stand in his presence, but we're going to do so without blemish and with great joy. I said about this that not only does Jesus make us stand, but he makes us pure. He makes us pure. You ever tried to fix yourself? You ever tried to say, you know what, I really don't like what's happening in my life now, so I'm just going to fix it, right? And that takes willpower, and so I'm going to put my nose to the grindstone, and I'm going to get it done. Now, I don't know about you, but I have the willpower of something that doesn't have willpower. And it was mentioned to me between the last service and this service that that might be a goldfish. A goldfish might be something that has no willpower. I don't know if goldfish have willpower or not. But I don't have any willpower. I have the willpower to start things. I don't have the willpower to finish things. I'll give you evidence of that. I've lost a ton of weight. This is why I wear black. It makes me look slim. Because I have no willpower whatsoever. I can't keep driving. I can't keep going. And the same way that I can't do that in my own life and in my own heart and in my own mind, the same way that I struggle with that, it is with my purity. Remember, if we say that we have no sin, then we call God a liar. And that's because what he does for us is he makes us pure. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with what he did. You see, God became flesh and dwelt among us in the man Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross for us, became sin for us, hung on that cross, shed his blood for us, died, was buried in that tomb and was resurrected three days later in victory over death, hell and the grave for you, for me. You see, and we are reliant upon him, not reliant upon ourselves. I can't do this. I can't be good enough. I can't be good enough for me. I can't be good enough for you. I can't be good enough for my kids. I can't be good enough for anybody. It is only in the power of Christ that he makes us pure so that we can stand in his presence. And because of that, Jesus deserves all praise. As a result of everything, Jude is going to wrap up the book here. And he says, as a result of everything that I've told you, watch out for those false teachers. Watch out for those people that are out to get you. Watch out for those people that are teaching you things that are contrary to what Christ taught us and shown us and has shown us. And he says, as a result of all of that, you need to understand that Jesus deserves all the glory, all the majesty, all the power, all the authority, all the praise. You see, as human beings, we are built and designed, hardwired to worship. It's in the very core and essence of our DNA. And what that means is you will worship something or someone. 
And so if you're going to worship somebody, and you are, you might as well worship somebody that actually has taken care of you, which is Jesus. Jesus is the one that provides life. Jesus said that there's no way to get to the Father but by him. So we need to worship him with all of our praise. When we sing here together collectively and we sing and worship and raise our voices uh, to sing his praise and his adoration. But in the daily dishwashing and ditch digging and calculating and email responding that we sing his praises and worship him because he is the only one that is worthy. I'm reminded of the imagery in the book of the Revelation where the angel says, who is worthy to open the book? Everyone's looking around. I'm not worthy. Are you worthy? You're not worthy. Am I worthy? Nobody's worthy. Who's worthy? Who is worthy to open this book? And Jesus comes out and they all cry, worthy is the lamb that was slain. He is worthy. You see, it's not about what we can do. So I can self-help by making the, the uh, space to be able to listen to what God is doing in my life. That's what the spiritual disciplines are. I can reach out to others with the things that I have learned to share with them and to care for them. But ultimately, all of that falls silent if we don't have Jesus. So as a final thought, what does that mean for us? That means that today and every day going forward, that you need to continue to grow in your faith that you need to continue to love others, and that you need to continue to trust in Jesus. Here's the final word. It's the big idea. Remember, Jesus is our only hope in this life and for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we are again so grateful that you sent your son to die for us, that he became sin for us. He that knew no sin took on all of my sin so that I might be pure and be able to be in his presence always. Father, I pray for us that we would understand the gift that you've given us, that we might draw close to you. We pray and ask that you draw us close to you, that you make us more like you. Change us, Lord. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.